Some <coughs> words from uh, the book of Esther, chapter 4. Beginning at verse 12. Esther chapter 4, beginning from verse 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. When Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all Esther's instructions. The end. Well, it's not the end, actually. (laughs) Believe it or not, some of you might think it is the end, but it's not. I promise you. I bumped into uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger this week, uh, as you do, and uh, I asked him, which is your favourite Old Testament book in the Bible? And he replied, you have to love Esther, baby. Esther had a difficult job getting into the canon of scripture. Did you know that? But uh, some people didn't think it should be there because uh, there's no mention of God's name in the whole of the book. Uh, Warren Wiseby says this, God's name is nowhere seen in the book, but his hand is everywhere. He is standing in the shadows, ruling and overruling. Esther. We can sum up the book of Esther in six words. We can sum up the book of Esther in just six words. And you know what those six words are, don't you? You're looking a little bit blank. Just think about it. We can sum up the book of Esther in just six words. And uh, people are counting on the fingers. I always like that when people get the fingers out. That's really good, isn't it? That's really good, isn't it? Uh, For such a time as this. For such a time as this. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. And really I want to think this morning uh, about those six words. For such a time as this. Uh, the sense in which I didn't choose the text this morning. Uh, the kids, wasn't it fantastic? Uh, the presentation, wasn't it lovely to see uh, the kids doing that? They've been practicing and practicing it over the weeks. And the sense in which uh, the sermon uh, topic, and uh, you know, Ben said to me last Sunday, he said, I'm leading, I presume you're going to be speaking on Esther. Um, and I said, I, I presume you're right, Ben. I think I, I think I better had to now, now you've said that. Um, 
And uh, the sense in which this text uh, wasn't chosen by me. Uh, it was chosen by the fact that boot camp were doing this presentation. But as Susanna says, the, the words from Esther seem just to be given at the right time for such a time as this. We've never known a time like this before, have we? For such a time as this. And so I want to think about for such a time as this. And I want to think about uh, where we've come from for such a time as this. Where we've come from for such a time as this. And this is a question of identity. This is a question of identity. Identity played a big part in the story of Esther. Um, Three main characters, Queen Esther... Mordecai the Jew, and of course Haman, the buddy. And uh, maybe when I mention Haman's name, you might want to give a little boo and a hiss. Uh, because he is the buddy. Uh, not that we're trying to make a, a pantomime out of the word of God, but there is, there is pantomime in the story of Esther. So we've got Esther, Mordecai the Jew, and Haman You'll get into it, you'll get into it. So it is a question of identity. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Esther was a Jew, but she was a Jew in hiding. People didn't realise who she was, where she had come from. Um, Haman, uh, that's right, Jill Hudson writes in, in, in her book, Esther said, Haman's ancestry is highly significant. We are told that he is an Agakite. Which almost certainly means that he was a descendant of Agag, king of Amalek, who had been a contemporary of Esther. And Mordecai's ancestor, King Saul, had fought against him in battle. Saul had defeated him. So where people come from is really important, and their identity, and their background. And one of the questions we might want to ask is, where have we come from? Where have we come from? I don't, I don't mean that you've got out of bed this morning and you've, got, you've, you've walked here or, or got in, in your car. Uh, I, I know where you've come from this morning. But where have we come from? You know, if, if you take me, um, I've, I've been in different churches. I, I was brought up in Stockport Baptist Church. I, I trained for ministry at Spurgeon's College. I went to Rose Hill Baptist Church in Burnley. Then I went back to my home church in Stockport Baptist Church. And now I'm here at Lum Baptist Church. That's the journey that I've taken to get here. And some of you have taken uh, different and varied journeys to get into this place. But we've all gathered here. And God has brought us all here together at this time and at this place. And our identity and where we've come from is significant. You know, sometimes you hear people say, um, you know, things like, this will never work when I come up with a bright idea. And uh, it could be that, that somebody's tried it in another church that, that somebody's been in and it didn't work. And so that's where that kind of thinking comes from. Our identity and our background affects us in all sorts of ways. We've all come here, but we haven't arrived here uh, with nothing in a blank sheet. That sheet has already got stuff written on it, and it's part of our history and part of our heritage. But we have all come here, where where, where where we've come from. We've all arrived at this place for such a time as this. Ten years ago, some of us weren't here. Ten years from now, some of us might not be here. But we are here, and here and now, for such a time 
as this. It's a question of identity. Where have we come from? And then it's a question of where are we now for such a time as this? Where are we now? And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about the, uh, the, the seat that you're sitting in, um, which can be a contentious issue in some churches. Um, in my first church in, in Rose Hill, I, I, co- I took great delight because we just had one room that we used for everything and I used to take great delight in moving the chairs around. Uh, people would walk into the church and, and sometimes it, it was a room not dissimilar to this in some ways but smaller and sometimes the, the, the chairs would be facing like this but sometimes they'd walk in and the chairs would be facing that way. Oops. And sometimes they'd walk in and the, church, the chairs would be facing that way. And sometimes they used to watch people just come in and walking in. And you could see the, 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 the kind of fear on the faces. Well, I can't sit there. I don't know where my chair is because you've moved all the chairs. And some people get really excited and, and annoyed about me moving the chairs around. Where are we now? Well, uh, Mordecai, uh, he was in the right place at the right time. Jonathan and Mordecai were sitting at the king's gate. Big Natha and Tara, two of the king's officers, officers were guarding the door. He became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot. He was in the right place at the right time to do that. Mordecai, right place, right time. And Esther, of course. Uh, Esther was in the right place at the right time in the palace. And I think we are in the right place at the right time that God has gathered us here um, for a purpose. Because he wants us to do something together. This unique group of people who've come from all different places have been brought together to work together and to do something together. Where are we now for such a time as this? Of course... um, Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And so Mordecai saved the king's life. Because he was in the right place at the right time, he was able to pass on this information. And because Esther was in the right place at the right time, she was able to inform the king, and the king's life was saved. You know, we are in the business of saving lives. And sometimes we forget that, don't we? We go about and we, and we do our church stuff and we get busy doing this and doing that. But at the end of the day, we're here because we know that people matter to God. We are in the business of saving lives. And you, you're not just here. Well, you are here, obviously, but you're not just here. Uh, you're somewhere else as well. On a Monday morning, you might be in your place of work. You might be in your home. You might be somewhere else. You are in a place where you can have a significant impact for God and for good wherever we are. We are a church that gathered together on a Sunday but we are a church that's scattered on a Monday all over the place but we are still the church, the people of God and we're there for such a time as this. And it is a strange time, isn't it? It's a strange time. And Haman said to King Haman you see you see, you've lost it already, haven't you? Hey man, said to King Erses, there's a certain people dispersed and scattered among all the provinces of your kingdom whose customs are different from those of all the other people who do not obey the king's law. It's not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. Words spoken by Haman thousands of years ago, but words 
that we might hear other people speaking today about intolerance of people that are different than us. The war of words about the referendum result wages on Facebook. And there's a temptation, isn't there, to join in. As one group of people who maybe didn't get their way complain about the outcome and the people that did get their way uh, sort of triumphantly uh, speak about their, their, their pleasure. Uh, and who knows that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. You know, we have an important role to play, not just in the life of the church, but in the life of our community and in the life of the places that we work and the people that we mix with. Because, you know, everybody's talking about the referendum. I was in a coffee shop yesterday and, uh, you know, people were talking, people didn't know each other and different tales were talking about the impact. I happened to be uh, in a place called Burnley, not too far from here. And uh, they voted unanimously to, to leave. 66% against 33. So a very strong uh, voice in our own constituency. Uh, Rosendale, uh, not quite as, as bigger, but still quite a big uh, leave uh, uh, um, people and the remain 39%. And, uh, you know, this, this has resulted in in, in a huge thing that the Prime Minister's resigned. Nobody thought at the beginning of this week the Prime Minister was going to resign. This is, this is huge. And there's a sense in which I, I empathise with what Susanna was saying. You know, maybe um, we don't talk enough about politics in the church. Some people get a bit scared, don't they? Oh, do, politics and religion, religion don't mix. Rubbish. Uh, politics and religions have been mixing since the beginning of, of politics and religion. And, uh, you know, we, we perhaps haven't spoken about it enough. But my fear and my concern is actually that uh, the, the, the rise of white rights ring politics. The rise of people that might say, you know, we don't want this sort of people. The Hamans, you know, may rise in our nation who say, well, we don't want any more people coming in. Uh, we don't want these people. And imagine if you feel worried this morning. Imagine if you're an immigrant living in this country. How how much more scared would you feel than, than we do? We, we might just be fearful about the kind of economic effects on us. And uh, we have a place to, to stand and say, well, actually, you know, um, you're okay, so it's happened. Uh, but we need to, to work uh, for good. And we need to be the voice of reason. And like Esther, like Mordecai said to Esther, you know, sometimes we need to stand with people who feel fearful. Uh, people who, who may feel alienated. And one of the things that the, the result shows, and the whole of every ward in Lancashire uh, voted leave. You know, so if you, uh, like me, voted remain, oops, perhaps wasn't supposed to say that, but there we go. If you, like me, voted remain, uh, you're in a minority. Uh, you know, we're surrounded by people that think differently than us. And sometimes when people think differently, we see it in a church, don't we? They end up falling out. We've got to set an example of people who can think differently and talk and, and argue without falling out. We need people who are going to make a stand. Did you see as the kids were doing uh, the, the play this morning, how lovely it was to see the little kids I don't know if you could see it, but I was at the back doing the music, so I had the big picture. And the little ones were standing up and trying to copy what the bigger ones were doing. It was lovely. I wish I'd had my camera. Uh, because because they look up to these, you know, cool teenagers. And they want to be like them and copy them. 
And, you know, we need people who are going to stand up in our society and be a good role model. Not people who are just going to start falling out and arguing and, 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 and fighting about, about the differences of opinion. We need to stand. And we certainly need to stand against those people uh, that feel marginalised. And those people that feel marginalised, they, they might be refugees, uh, they, they might be immigrants, but they also might be, uh, you know, whites working class people on the council estates. I saw uh, Newsnight on, on Friday night and uh, I had to look twice because they, they, they were reporting from Rose Hill council estates in Burnley where I spent 10 years of my life working as a minister. And they went into the house of the person who was in charge of the Tenants Association. I've been in that house tons of times and they were big remain, uh, sorry, leave people and they of course were were delighted and I understand why they why they voted the way that they did as far as they're concerned they are the forgotten people I was in Burnley during uh, the race riots um, when the BMP the again a far right group had done a wonderful job of, of telling all all the working class people on council estates that all the money in Burnley uh, was going to the Asian parts of Burnley and they needed to get up and do something about it and they stirred up trouble and we need to be careful because there are worrying times and we need to stand with the marginalised and the, the outcasts. Because, you see, we're part of a kingdom that welcomes the refugee. We're part of a kingdom that welcomes outcasts and sinners. We're part of a kingdom that offers hospitality to the stranger. And we're part of a kingdom that will rule forever because that kingdom is the kingdom of God. And so we are called, like Esther, to make a stand for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Where are we now? Well, we are here in this place and in this country. And we can make a difference. We can make a difference. Where are we going? Where are we going for such a time as this? Well, the country doesn't know where it's going. We're in uncharted waters. But as a church, you know, we have a mission and we have a vision about where we want to go. We want to win people for the kingdom of God. We want to reach out in the name of God and in the name of Jesus into our community and into the lives of people. And we want to make a difference. Every church is driven by something. This is Rick Warren in his Purpose Driven Church book. He says, every church is driven by something. There is a guiding force, a controlling assumption, a directing conviction behind everything that happens. It may be unspoken. It may be unknown to many. Most likely it's never been officially voted on. But it's there influencing every aspect of the church's life. What is the driving force behind your church? What is the driving force behind your church? Is it because we want to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is that the driving force behind everything that we do and say and believe? And who knows, but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Who knows? I like that, who knows? Because we don't know, do we? We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what the future holds for this church. We don't know what the future holds for this country. But we know that we are here for such a time as this. Where are we going? <clears throat> for such a time as this, where are we going? Rob Bell in his book, How to Be Here, his latest book, I've just read it, I really uh, like it. Do you see life as something you create 
Or do you see life as something that is happening to you? In other words, do you see that, that life as an opportunity for to create something? Or do you just let things happen to you? And do you feel out of control and things just happen and we have no control of it? He goes on to say, he says this, how we respond to what happens to us, especially that thing we never wanted and we have no control over, is a creative act. How we respond to all the rubbish that happens in our own personal lives and in the world out there can be a creative act. How we respond can make a huge difference. And he goes on to say, we have power, more power than we realise, power to decide, power to make something good out of even this. And that's what I would want to say about what's happening in our country. We have the power to make something good, even out of this. Because we can be a power for good and a power for God. Because we are here for such a time as this. We are here for such a time as this. We, where have we come from? It's a question of identity. And we've come from different places, with different histories and different backgrounds. Where are we now? Where are we now? That's a question of locality. We're here in this place, in this time. And where are we going? That's a question of destiny. And I believe that we're going where God wants us to go. To reach the lost, to reach the outcast, and to reach the sinner. Because you and I are here for such a time as this.